What's going on, gentlemen? Welcome to the Institute of Men podcast. My name is Keaton, and I am the host of this podcast. Today, we are going to be having a rerun of one of my more popular episodes, What to Do If You Are Single. What I'm going to be doing on this episode is taking you through some key things that you as a young man should do if you are single and wanting to be in a relationship or wanting to be married. There's some things that you need to do to prepare for that relationship. I hope this episode blesses you and enjoy. I am sitting in a soundproof room for the first time. Uh, Normally when I record these podcasts, I'm sitting in my closet with my computer on one hamper and the microphone on another. And today I was able to use a soundproof room and the volume, the sound quality is far better. And so I hope I get to use this room in the future. If not, one day I will have my own. I'm sure of it. Hope you're doing well. It's hot where I am, and uh, I am having a good day. Our poor little girl has a fever, uh, so I'm just I'm a little tired today because we were up super late with her and checking on her throughout the night. And but still a good day overall. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, uh, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope someone had shared it with you or you stumbled across it somehow. This is not a self-help podcast. This is a podcast that help men develop true character, become men of God, men who fulfill their duty. They take their place in the world. They love their families and their wives. They build up churches. They build up their communities. They do what men historically have done. This is not a selfish kind of podcast. This is not a self-development podcast. This is a podcast where you figure out what kind of man you want to be and you pursue that relentlessly for the rest of your life. You know, it's a question my dad asked me when I was 23. He asked me, he's like, son, what kind of man do you want to be? I had no idea. And I sat down and I started to figure out what kind of man I wanted to be. And I've been pursuing that relentlessly for the since that moment. Um, And I think it's good that every man does it, whether you are 20, whether you are 30, 40, 50, I think it's good to figure out, hey, what kind of man am I going to become and how am I going to pursue that? And that's what this podcast is for. If you don't mind, uh, leave us a five-star review, share this episode with a friend or 10 friends or on social media or something that really does help me out. It helps get the word out. And I am, I was talking to my buddy Oren the other day and he's like, I didn't even know you had a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I put it on social media all the time. And he goes, oh, I thought that was just one you liked. I was like, yeah, I'm not very good at marketing. Uh, so I recently, yesterday, actually texted a friend who I know who's good at marketing, and we're going to start making some marketing efforts uh, of some kind. Uh, but if you could leave a review, share it with a friend, share it with someone at your church, your youth group, whatever, it really, really does help us out. And I am thankful. If you don't like this podcast, just pretend you never even heard of it and move on with your life. That also helps me out. Over the weekend, I did this thing on social media that's kind of going around. It's on Instagram. It's this, you someone asks you anonymous questions or several people ask anonymous questions and then you answer them on your Instagram story. And I saw a lot of friends doing it and I was like, well, that looks kind of fun. I'm going to do that. <clears throat> so I set it up, did my anonymous questions and I had some really, really funny ones and I had some real serious ones. I had one that... um the first one I got was worst pickup line that you've ever heard. And I had to admit on social media that the worst pickup line I'd ever used was the one I used on my wife when we started dating. 
Um, it's no longer on the internet, and so I'm not going to tell you what it is here, but it was terrible. I can't believe she married me. I can't believe I even got a date, second date, first date, any of it. It was it was that bad. <clears throat> okay, I'll tell you what it is. Okay, so I, I'm a pastor for work. That's what I do for work at this time in my life. And when we were, you know, trying to figure, you know, we bumped into each other at 24-hour fitness. I was like, we should get Chipotle after, and we went and got Chipotle. And I didn't know how to give her, get her to give me her phone number. And so I said, do you have a testimony video? And she's like, yeah, I do. I was like, oh, you should test, text me your testimony video. I'd love to watch it as a pastor. And that's how I got Chelsea's phone number. It's It was a disgusting use of my position, <laughs> but it worked. And here we are married with a kid and it was awesome. So uh, there's funny questions like that. And then there were some serious questions, but I got one question that came up a few times and I was like, you know, I'm going to do a podcast on that. Um, because a lot of times I end up doing podcasts for men who are either recently married, soon to be married, or they've been married. And I kind of, um, neglect some of my listeners who are single. And a lot of my listeners, you guys are single. And I, someone asked me a question, what should I do in a season of singleness? Like, how do I spend my time in a single season of singleness? Which is a great question because, uh, how you spend that time will impact the rest of your life. Like sp- like your 20s are going to impact the rest of your life, but especially if you're single, most of your 20s or even whatever part of your 20s that you're seeing, you are single, you're not married. That Those years, those deposits that you make, the habits that you create, they are going to affect the rest of your life. And so I put up seven things uh, on my Instagram story that is like, this is what you should do in a season of singleness. And today I'm going to do this episode on those answers, but I'm going to expound them. So right off the bat, here's the seven things I said. Uh, Like, what do you do in a season of singleness? And I was like, here's seven things. One, die to yourself daily. In your marriage, you find out how selfish you are. Throw in a child and you really find out how selfish you are. Selfish people ruin marriages. Dying to yourself daily is the cure. Number two, go build your local church however you can. I think every single man or woman, but this podcast is for men, I think every single man should serve in your youth or kids ministry for at least four years. Number three, figure out what kind of man you want to be and then pursue that relentlessly. Number four, memorize Proverbs 24. Number five, rid your life of laziness. Number six, learn how to handle money, get out of debt, and specifically self-control with money. And then number seven, enjoy it. And what I thought we would do today is go through these in order with a little bit more detail um, and why I put them in this specific order, okay? So number one, like if you're single, whether you are 35 and single, whether you are 23 and single, wherever you are in your singleness, um, I think these are things that every single single man should do. Um, You should continue to do them when you are married, but what you do in your single while you're single is what you will do when you are married. There's no magic switch. There is there's no it's really hard to change your your character once you're married. You're kind of set in your ways at that point. Uh, not it's definitely possible. Believe me, it's definitely possible, but it's much easier if you start doing it now when you're young, when you start changing some habits um and working on your character. Much easier when you're when you're single and marriage is going to expose you all that stuff that you hide from everybody. And come on, we all hide something when we're single, we all hide something, all that stuff that you've hidden. When you get married, 
that there's no hiding anymore. It's, it is impossible. And if you hide something from your spouse, well, that will bite you in the butt like a piranha. That's not going to be good. So <clears throat> let's just start now. Life will be much better, much easier if you start with these things now. And these are things that I did uh, and that I had uh, most of these, actually, I had uh, someone else tell me, like, you need to do these things. I was like, all right, great. I will do that. So number one, die to yourself daily. In marriage, you find out how selfish you are. You throw in a child and you really find out how selfish you are. And selfish people ruin marriages. Dying to yourself is the cure. All right. Um, you will find out just exactly how self-centered you are when you get married. When you're single, it's kind of awesome because your whole world revolves around you. If you want to stay out late, you can. If you want to go and do it, you can do pretty much whatever you want with your money. It doesn't affect anyone except for you. You can book a trip whenever you want. You can spend your time how you want. You can have, you can eat food in your bed. No one's preferences affect you. Even your roommates that you might have, they might affect you a little bit, but you can go in your room and then that's your space. Um, when you get married, though, someone else is now dependent on you. It's the first time you take on responsibility where someone is dependent on you um, in a very unique way. Because when you come home every day, they are home. <laughs> like that's You are now sharing your life with somebody. Okay? And selfish people ruin marriages. People who cannot let go of their selfishness, their preferences, um, if they can't be inconvenienced, like that will ruin your marriage. It m- compounds uh, day over day, month over month, and it creates a tension. Um, it will make your wife feel like she is less than you um, and that her job is there to serve you without reciprocity when there is mutual submission, mutual service that is supposed to happen within a marriage. If you want a thriving marriage, there's got to be reciprocity of all kind. Um, also, in the Bible, in Ephesians, when Paul's giving instructions to husbands and wives, he says there's mutual submission, but then he gives husbands and he gives wives roles that they have to play in their covenant of marriage. Okay, So marriage is a covenant. It is not a contract. It's not a piece of paper. It is a public covenant, and it's between three people. It's between you, it's between your spouse, and it's between God. In the in Publicly, in front of friends and family who can hold you accountable, But it is not just between you and your wife. It is between you, your wife, and God. And you make a covenant, and God promises to uphold any covenant set before him if each person does their role in the covenant. That's been true. That's true of all of the covenants uh, in the Bible. And but God is so great and so gracious and good, and that He will even uphold covenants when humanity inevitably fails on their part, okay? So you're, you're going to make mistakes in your marriage. God's going to uphold your covenant anyway. You'll forgive each other. It's great. But <clears throat> long, that was a long sidetrack to say the role that men have in, their, in the covenant of marriage is to love their wives and take up their cross and die for the sake of them. That's, that is your job. It's the hardest thing. You know, I, I think Paul understands human nature when he writes these words. It's very hard for women to respect their husbands for whatever reason. I'm not a woman. I, don't ask me, but that seems to be the case. And so Paul says it's the job of the woman to respect her husband. Um, also, uh, a man who's respected by his wife is unstoppable. Uh, you will rise and fall to the level that your wife um, upholds you. That is also true. 
But the role of a man in a covenant is to love his wife more than he loves himself and to die to himself daily for her sake. Like, you need to be willing to be inconvenienced for her. You need to set your preferences aside for her. You need to do something that you don't want to for her. You need to, like, in the middle of the night, baby's crying, you're getting up. Like, you may not be able to feed that baby at the beginning, but you're getting up. Um, You can't, like, you got to make sure that your wife does not get tired when you have babies. You should, like, do everything you can to serve and cherish and nourish your wife, even if it costs you something. I have not met a man whose preferences are fulfilled 100% of the time who's happy, joyful, or has a great marriage. Not one. Every man I know who has a thriving marriage dies to himself daily. Okay? So you need to start, when you're single... You need to find a way to die to yourself daily so that the selfish spirit that's naturally in each human being um, starts to die. Uh, Do something inconvenient to yourself. Uh, Like something that's inconvenient to you, do it. Uh, Do something that's against your preferences. Go do something you don't like. Do something you don't want to do. Like it's good for you. There are a few things that irritate me more than a man who cannot be inconvenienced for the sake of others. It drives me nuts. Like, it makes me want to, like, lose my mind. I don't, but it makes me want, it does make me want to lose my mind because I'm like, get over yourself. It's like the gravitational pull of your selfishness is so strong that if you're asked to do anything or something that's expected of you that's not within your preferences, you know, you throw a fit, it, that kind of crap, it drives me nuts. Good, like, good luck with that attitude in all of life, especially in marriage. Like, it's it's not going to go well for you. You've got to die to yourself. Selfish men who care only for their own preferences and comfort. Like, I'm sorry, you're you're not helping the world become moral or just or better. I have strong opinions. I know. Um, one of the questions someone asked me on Instagram was an un. They said, "What's one unpopular?" opinion that you have. I responded with, I only have unpopular opinions and they're strong. Um, just always has been, I'm working on it though. Um, all right. So number one, die to yourself daily. All right. And you're like, all right, what do I do to die to myself daily? And number two, I think is the best place to start. Go help build your local church. However you can. Seriously, don't be attendee. Don't just go and listen to the message and stand there and worship with your hands down, not worshiping the creator of everything who made you and galaxies and stars and gave you everything, life in your lungs. And, you know, yeah, just stand there while you worship him, you know, but uh, don't, don't just go and consume at church. Go build your church. Building a church means building the people in the church. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean starting a program or a men's ministry or anything like that. It means figuring out a way to help a the pastor and the staff build the church and i think the best way that young men should do this is to volunteer either in the youth ministry or in the kids ministry for at least four years you're like why four years well um four years is going to be the number of years that the, the guys are in high school it's also long enough for it to be a commitment that gives you time to impact their lives so I was a I didn't do the kids volunteering when I was in my twenties, but I did volunteer with the youth ministry, and I volunteered in the youth ministry for four years. And you know I still have relation. I just talked to a guy 
today. He was a youth student when, and I was his youth leader. He was 17 when I met him, and now he's like, Ethan, how old are you now? That was seven years ago. He's like 25, I think. I think Ethan's 25. I don't remember. Ethan, text me, and you can remind me how old you are because I forgot. But I just talked to him on the phone today, and we talk frequently. Um, four years was long enough for me and him to develop a relationship um, that continued into his college years because I met him when he was a little older. And most of my students, they were in um, either freshmen or sophomores, and I still talk to them when they come back from college. And it's kind of weird. They're all grown now, but we have a relationship um and I've been able to pour a little bit into them and help shape their life. But it also, it forced me to do something that was inconv- that was not about me. It forced me to help the uh, supplement parents raising their kids. Uh, I was there to help them. I was there. Parents want good, moral kids who follow Jesus, who walk in the ways of God, who are have good character, who are brave, bold, courageous in spirit. And parents do their best and they need some supplemental help from their church. And I was able to do that. So I was able to not do, I was able to give something that was not of myself and it helped me die to myself, but it also helped build our church. And I think that is one of the greatest things that you can do for your church is you get in there, you don't consume, you don't complain, you don't whine, you help, you help build the people of that church. You help, you use your words and gifts and talents and time and energies to help build people into what God created them to be. And if you do it with youth kids or even even kids ministry, one, you're, uh, you're helping build the next generation. Two, you're practicing being a parent. And three, you're going to f- figure out what it's like to have someone not care at all what you have to say, and it's good for you. It's really, really good for you. I mean, the first three years when I was in youth, the kids were awesome. That fourth year, I got a group of guys because all my guys graduated, so I got a, a brand new group. And man, they made me they made me work for their their attention. <laughs> like it's the only way that I swear they were manipulating me every time they got a chance, and it was tough, but it was it was good for me, um, and I loved them. All right, so die to yourself daily. A great way to do that. Go start building your local church. Uh, and then commit to at least four years. It's good for you to commit to something that's longer than a year, longer than six months, longer than two years. It's really, it's really, really good for you. Um, and it's a great way to help build your church, build the next generation. You're going to learn some skills that you would never learn unless you went and volunteered in kids or in youth. Um, and your youth pastor, your lead pastor, whatever church you're a part of, they will be forever grateful. And so will the students and the parents uh, because life is not about you actually at all it's not about you at all you get to play a part in other people's lives other people will play a part in your lives but if you spend your life giving it away dying to yourself giving your life away you will find the fulfillment you're looking for but more than that you will make an impact in the world that is worth remembering Uh, for your family you're going to leave a legacy uh, in your family your community your church uh, and maybe even greater Um, so die to yourself daily go build your local church uh, by serving in the either the youth ministry or in the kids ministry. Number three, this is what this podcast is all about. Figure out what kind of man you want to be and pursue that relentlessly. So create a vision for the man that you want to be in character and deed. Figure that out. Put it on paper and then figure out how you're going to become that kind of man. Uh, figure out what you believe. Figure out what's uh, of primary belief. Figure out what is of secondary belief. So I think every man needs to know what he believes about God, about humanity, about himself, about work, about family, fatherhood, being a husband, what he believes about money, what he believes about 
his role in the world and in his nation and his country. I think you need to figure out what you believe about duty, uh, figure out what you believe about sin and the character of man, uh, figure out what you believe about suffering. Those are primary issues that will help shape how you spend your time and energy. Uh, that those kinds of things are going to be really, really important for you to figure out. Um, and then because you will, I mean, you will act in accordance with what you believe every single time. Um, your guilt won't let you compromise on what you believe for very long. Um, so die to yourself daily, go build your local church, figure out what kind of man you want to be and pursue that relentlessly. Uh, if you want help on that, shoot me an email. My email is keaton.tucker at iCloud.com. I'll say it at the end of the podcast again too, and I'll, I'll do what I can to help. Um, but you need a vision for the man that you want to be. And then you need, um, what you believe you need rules for yourself. You need all of that. We, we had a podcast about this. You can go listen to it, um, about developing a vision for what you want to be, um, uh, it's like episode five or six or something. You've, if you go down to the end, uh, listen to know what you believe and then creating a vision or you need a vision. I believe it's called listen to those episodes. We'll do some more on the future, but listen to those for now. Um, figure out what kind of man you want to be. Pursue that relentlessly for the rest of your life. All right. Um, I'm going to spend a bulk of time here on number four, uh, because I think this one is important. Um, it is memorize and live out Proverbs 24. So, um, I'm actually just going to read you Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, it's in the Bible. Um, and this is, this is, all of the book of Proverbs are really, really good. Proverbs 24 kind of has a high-level, all-encompassing summary of what your life, what to do with your life. Um, and I think if you memorize, memorize it to the point where like you're, you're familiar with what's in it, not that you could recite it, but you're familiar with what's in it, um, and read it frequently and then live it out, you will have a great single life and you're going to have a great marriage. Okay. So I'm going to read through this. I'll add some comments as they come up. Um, and, uh, this room is kind of dark, so I have to like turn. All right. Uh, Proverbs 24, be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. All right, so first thing, there are evil people in the world, and there are people who do bad things. That is a truth that is um, evident, and um, it could be your friends. So the first thing that I think you should probably do is do not desire to be with around people who do bad things, um, who go to places that you don't want to go, and you know that the places that you don't want to go. There is no reason for you as a single man to be at a bar after midnight in downtown with a bunch of people who are drunk. You know that you shouldn't be there. You probably shouldn't be there at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. Well, you definitely shouldn't be there at 10 a.m. If you're there at 10 a.m., you got another problem. But <laughs> um, don't be in places that you don't know you should be in. Don't be around people you know that you shouldn't be around. Be around people who are pursuing a life of character, who want to actually make an impact in the world, um, in their community, uh, where they are in their jobs, who have who have like righteous ambition and good goals that are not selfish. Don't be around guys that want to seek pleasure and comfort and hook up with girls and, and drink their way into like whatever. Just, you don't need to be around those people. Like be around people who are going to make an impact on the world, whether that's locally or globally. It doesn't, 
be around good, good men. Okay. And then the, the people who do bad things, they seem to have a glamorous life. Just make up your mind right now that you're not going to be envious of people who look like they have a good life. Um, they don't partying, hooking up with chicks, drinking like it's your job. That's cool until you're 30. And then it's kind of sad when you're till you're 35. And then it's really sad after 35. It's what, it's all you have in life. You've got nothing else. You never grew up. you never moved on. Um, that doesn't need to be you. Okay. So, uh, this is a, this is a good one to remember. Verse, verse three, by wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And a wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. Okay. When it says a house, this means like your family and your legacy. Okay. Your house will be built by wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Spend your time your single years learning as much as you can about the stuff that makes for a good life. Read good books, learn how to speak, learn how to write so you can communicate what you believe and why. Uh, learn from some of the people that have made up Western civilization. Uh, don't waste your time with self-help. Like just don't, there's no reason to read, read good authors, read books that have stood the test of time. Read your, read the Bible, ask a lot of questions about the Bible, but like, um, learn as much as you can about life because your house, your family, your legacy is going to be built by wisdom, by knowledge, and by understanding. You can be as uh, you can be as wealthy and successful as you want, but your house will be in, in shambles. Nobody wants that. There's several proverbs about that, by the way. It's that it's better to be poor than to live in a quarrelsome house. Um, get wisdom. Get knowledge, get understanding. Okay, a wise man is full of strength. That you know, if you want to be strong in your spirit, become wise. More than anything, the Bible is like, of all the things it says to pursue, um, wisdom is like the number one thing it says to pursue. More than anything, with wisdom comes living righteously. With wisdom comes, you know, the fear of God leads to wisdom. Um, get wisdom. You will be full of strength. A man of knowledge enhances his might. You, like, get those things. Okay. okay. <clears throat> By wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. And in the gate, he does not open his mouth. All right. So instead of spending your time with people who drink themselves to death and party like it's their job, uh, surround yourself by wise people who are pursuing wisdom and righteousness and good living and character and who are seeking to fulfill their duty and they have responsibility. Surround yourself with those people because there will come a time when you have to wage a war. It might be the, it might be for your children's hearts and minds. It might be of some greater uh, degree. You don't know, but you want to surround yourself with people who are wise and who are pursuing wisdom, who are pursuing character righteousness, responsibility, those kinds of things, so that when the day comes for you to wage a war, you've got people around you who can help. Uh, don't, seriously, don't surround yourself with people who are living in some form of indulgence. It's just, ugh. It's not doing you any good. 
Um, okay. Verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You need to do hard things that allow you to become strong so that when adversity comes, you don't fall. You need to do hard things. You also need to, um, as Jesus said, build your house on the rock so that when the storms of life come, that you, your life doesn't wash away. Uh, if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us that everyone, almost everyone's house is built on the sand. Uh, drug addiction went up. Alcoholism went up. Domestic abuse went up. Anxiety went up. Depression went up. Suicide attempts went up. Like everything negative and poor about humanity went up because people's lives were built on the sand and they couldn't handle the storm of COVID. COVID wiped out our life in a couple of months in what everything that we had built on, you know? And yeah, you know what? We've all got our, our thoughts on how that should have been handled. But one thing that we can say for certain, I think that we can say for certain is it showed us that our life was built on sand. Build your house on a rock. You want, you need a strong life so that when adversity comes and it's going to come, you don't fail. Like you can stand underneath whatever comes your way whatever storms of life. So that's going to mean like, you know, if you go through the Sermon on the Mount, that's a great way to uh, build your life on the rock. You first need to deal with your anger. Then you need to deal with, uh, if you have a problem with lust, you need to get rid of that. Any form of sexual immorality, you need to put that to death, put your anger to death. You need to get inside your head that you're not going to use your words to manipulate. You're not going to, you will not retaliate. Oh man, Uh, if you retaliate in your marriage, you... (laughs) We're going to talk about that when we get to verse 20, excuse me, verse 28 and verse 29 of this proverb. Uh, it's not going to go well with you. Uh, you will, That's just not going to go well. You need to do hard things so that you build strength of character, build your house upon the rock, um, so that you do not faint in the day of adversity that's bound to come. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does he not, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? Will he not repay man according to his work? All right, what does that mean? If you see some of your friends that you love dearly going down a path that will destroy them, you need, you have an obligation to say something and to pull them back into a righteous life and call them prophetically into the man that they were going to become. If you pretend that you don't see someone walking down a dangerous path when you know they are and you don't say something, God's going to hold you accountable for that. Whoa, intense. I know. Look, we have got to be willing to tell our friends about the path they're walking down if it's not good. Don't let somebody stumble. Like if it's in your power to help, say something. Um, These are the same friends that you've surrounded yourself by so you can have wise guidance. Do the same for them. You know, there's several proverbs about rebuking a wise person and he will love you for it. Um, most people don't want to walk down a path of, of evil that destroys their life and they would, they're dying for someone to keep them from doing it. Um, so do that. Um, and that might be one of your adversities. You have to say something to a friend that they may not like in the moment, but it'll be good for them. Uh, be strong enough to say something. Um, all right. My son, eat honey for it is good. 
and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such for your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Uh, again, get wisdom. It's good for your soul. It tastes good. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's see. Lie not in wait as the wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous. Do no violence to his home. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. All right. Again, be careful who you're around. Um, people who are wicked, and there are people who are wicked, and people who are evil, um, they are looking for someone to attack. Um, they have to. They have to attack somebody. Um, you know, I've, I'm going through Exodus right now, and Den, I'm reading Dennis Prager's amazing com, er, commentary on Exodus. And he says, um, when Moses confronts the Hebrews, he says, anytime you confront an evil person caught in their wrong, the only thing they have left to do is attack you. They have to turn the onus on you. Um, and... That's what wicked people do. Righteous people, they can get attacked by anybody and they'll rise again. They can be slandered by anybody and they'll rise again. Uh, pursue righteousness and wisdom. Surround yourself with good people. It's, it's your life will be better. Um, okay, this here's this is also important. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased, and turn away his anger from your enemy. Okay, uh, we all have enemies. We all have people we don't like. We all have people that have harmed us. Do not be vindictive. There is nothing uh, righteous or good about vindictiveness. Do not celebrate when your enemy falls. That is not kingdom living. That is not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of God. That is the way of the world. If you want to live a higher call in life, if you want justice, you do not celebrate when people who are against you stumble. If anything... Pick them up. Pick them up. Be a good neighbor. All right? Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future, and the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Um, don't fret about people who do bad stuff. Um, if you're watching Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, all those things, 24 hours a day, and you're fretting because of the evil in the world, you're dwelling on all that's bad instead of creating a new vision for what could be good and righteous, pure, excellent, for and working towards that. If you're just fretting on the evil in the world, um, it's going to destroy your soul. It's going to ruin your focus, and you won't put any good energy towards any good thing. Don't fret. Um, it tends only to evil. That's in Psalm, uh, Psalm 37. Um, plus evil people, wicked people, they have a way of cannibalizing themselves, of ruining their own efforts. Uh, so you can trust that that's going to happen. You focus on building what's good, true, and excellent. And, um, that's that, I think that's the best way to go. My son, fear the Lord and the King. We talked about this in the last podcast, fear God and take your own part. Um, if you want to not be afraid of man, especially of evil men, you need to fear the Lord. You need to fear someone more powerful than you and more powerful than uh, every other person on the earth. And the reason you need to do that, if you fear the Lord, you're not, you're not afraid of man. You will do what is right in his eyes. You will have boldness like you wouldn't believe. Uh, that's what the story of Moses. He feared God so much that he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. He wasn't afraid of uh, his fellow Hebrews. He wasn't afraid of anybody. 
He may have been meek. He may have had a lot of self-doubt. That's evident. But um, as Dennis Prager points out, he had enough fear of the Lord to not be afraid of anybody. Uh, He also pointed out that the two women uh, in Exodus chapter 1 who lied to Pharaoh about what they were doing, they were, they had such, it says, it didn't say they had a love for God. They didn't have a liking for God. It said they feared God. It will take, if you wanted to fight tyranny and despotism and every evil thing that could come your way, your love of God will not take you there, but your fear of God will. Because you need a level of courage that comes from doing what is morally right that you can only get from a fear of someone more powerful than you, and that is God. Okay? Um, So fear the Lord. Um, Partiality and judging is not good. Show no partiality. We talked about that on the podcast last time. Um, Equality under the law and equality under God is justice. Okay, Do not show partiality. Uh, That's why critical theory is is worthless. Um, It is filled with partiality. Uh, So it's, there's no, all of their, if they had any good points, which I haven't found one, they're all muted because they're, there's so much partiality that it's actually unjust. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field. Then after that, build your house. All right. So what does that mean? Get some direction in your life. Find a career that you can stick to for several years. Work really, really hard. Grow. Doubt if this is where you're supposed to do, but stick to it anyway. Endure. Do that and then start to build your house, which means get married, have a family, uh, start with your future. Make sure that you have some direction in your life of some kind. Figure out what kind of man you want to be. That is a direction. That is pursuing something um, before you start to build your house. If you start to build your house, build your family without any form of direction, uh, you're going to have a hard time. Uh, it was one of the things my dad told me all the time. I remember telling him the same conversation when I was complaining about how the woes of my life. And I was like, I'm not married. I'm 23. My dad, he's just like, you couldn't be married right now if you wanted. He said it probably nicer than that. But he's like, you don't have any direction, and you it would be wrong of you to bring a woman into your life if you don't have direction. And I was like, it'd be wrong of you to bring a woman into your life. <laughs> uh, it's good advice. Get some direction in your life. That's what that means. This also, this proverb, you can also read it, um, has to do with money. Make sure you've got the income to support your house um, and all your all your ambition. That's good for you. Um, all right. And then, oh yeah. Uh, be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. Do not say I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done to me. That is retaliation. Um, one first thing, don't be a witness against your neighbor without cause. That means tell the truth. Do not deceive with your lips. Don't lie. Start telling the truth. Um, don't create false narratives in your mind that aren't true either. Uh, that is an easy thing to do when you get married. Um, and that's, that's no good. All right. Um, and when you retaliate, uh, that's not good either. If you retaliate in your marriage, you're so things, things can get heated when you're married. Um, and if you use your tongue to retaliate against your wife, um, she will not, that will stick to her. And she, it'll be very, very hard for her to forget. I'm not saying she will punish you. She might. Um, but that's going to destroy something in her soul. 
retali- there's no place for retaliation in the kingdom of God. Um, it's not moral. It's not good. It's not excellent. It's not, it's not pure. It's not lovely. It's not anything. Um, retaliation is just a wounded ego trying to re-strengthen itself. It's just put it to death. Do not retaliate. I used to tell, I, one of the advice I give to young guys all the time is if you want to have a successful life, marriage, all kinds, you need to be a rock. Uh, rocks are defensive. Like they, they, they don't strike. They can be hit a thousand times. They can weather the storm. They can be a shelter of protection for anybody and anybody and everybody. You need to be a rock. Rocks can't retaliate, but they can protect. They can also take a beating. And as a man, you need to be able to take a beating, take it in the face without retaliating. That is a good and noble thing to do. All right, and last part. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sins. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come about you, will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. All right. Um... This goes along with uh, number five. You need to get rid of all of the laziness in your life. All right. So number five is rid your life of laziness. Take on as much responsibility as you can. This proverb, we talked about it in the responsibility podcast. Uh, This is a proverb about what happens when a man becomes lazy. Um, His life, his field can be overgrown with thorns. There could be no wall of protection around his life. He can't produce anything, and so he has to be dependent on someone else. He can't take care of his own household. Laziness destroys lives. And when you get married, you're going to find out there's no time for lazy. You can have the occasional lazy day with your spouse. There's no time. There's too many things that need to be taken care of for laziness to become part of your life. Laziness and rest Laziness and Sabbath, they are distinctly different. Sabbath is intentional rest. um, It's a command of God to do. Laziness is um, a spirit. uh, And it is, um, I think it's evil. I I think laziness is is evil and needs to be rid of from your life. Um, You can be, if you're lazy, you'll have a hard time pursuing your wife. You'll have a hard time pursuing her heart and soul. If you are lazy, you'll have a hard time when you eventually have kids of interacting with them. Uh, Laziness is by nature self-indulgent. And it manifests itself in, in several ways. I would do everything you can to rid yourself of laziness. And the way you do that is you take on as much responsibility as you can when you're single. So get in your church. Uh, take on more responsibility at work. Uh, do something else out in, um, do take on some more civic responsibility. The more responsibility you take on, the more, the more you will rid your life of laziness and it's good. Okay. All right. So we've got number six coming up, learn how to handle money, get out of debt and learn self-control with money. Man, I wish I would have gotten out of debt before me and Chelsea got married. Getting out of debt sucks. We've got our student loans. Getting out of debt when you're single sucks. It sucks more when you're married. It puts it kind of puts your entire life on hold because, you know, if you have debt and your spouse has debt, well, congratulations, your payments, your payments just doubled, um, and it really puts a hamper on what you guys can do as a as a as a couple. Um, just get out of debt. Borrowers are slaves to lenders. 
learn financial responsibility, one of the number one leading causes of divorce is inability to work together with money. Uh, Go through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. It's the best financial class that you can take because it's focusing on behavior. You can find a thousand complaints about Dave Ramsey and his philosophy, but it works. It got over 26 million people out of debt. It saved marriages. Like his work has been incredible. So learn how to handle money. Get out of debt. Cut up those credit cards. You don't need them. You're not going to get rich by saving on airline miles. You might get some extra vacations, but um, you don't need to vacation yourself to life because you or you don't need to take that many vacations. You know, one a year is good. Maybe two. Um, but you have, if you're a Christian, you have all of eternity to see the entire world and cosmos. So you don't need to worry too much about seeing it now. But again, I have unpopular, strong opinions. So cut up the credit cards anyway. You're not, you're not doing well with those. Okay. Then number seven, enjoy being single. Um, every single person, every, well, every single, like not in a relationship person, that I know is ready to be in a relationship and get married. Almost, almost everyone. Um, and then by year seven, half of all married people want to be single again. You know, they, they're ready to get divorced. That's not good statistics. Um, and a lot of that comes from bad prep and most of it comes from an unwillingness to die to yourself. But, um, when you're single, enjoy it. You get to do things when you're single that you don't get to do when you're married. Your, when you become married, your life is no longer your own. Someone else has authority over your life. And there is a time, you're, like you're probably going to get married. I think it's like 98% of all people eventually get married. So you're going to get married. You don't need to worry about not getting married. You don't need to worry about, you don't need to fret. Um, you can use this time to build relationships, to build your life, to build your career, to have a lot of fun and do stuff that you wouldn't, you're not going to be able to do when you're married. So enjoy this time. It is a gift and it's a gift that you won't get back when you get married. All right. So how do you spend your season of singleness? Die to yourself daily. Go and build your local church. Figure out what kind of man you want to be and pursue that relentlessly. Memorize and live out Proverbs 24. Rid your life of laziness. Learn how to handle money and get out of debt and enjoy this season because you're not going to get it back. And it's a very special time in your life. Okay. Thank you for listening to the man. I want to be podcast. I appreciate it. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend, leave us a five-star review, re-listen to it. If you need to take notes, um, if you have any questions, uh, I love answering questions. Um, I will start. I'd love to answer some questions on this podcast. Uh, send me an email at Keaton.tucker at iCloud.com. And I will gladly answer your question on the podcast. And until next time, I hope you are blessed, and this is the Man I Want to Be podcast.